We have a special guest with us here today, Mr. Danny Frenzesi. Hello, for $10,000, who should... Excuse me? Acting Class Weekly with legendary character actor Sean Whelan. Lessons, tips, and insight into the craft and business of acting from a man who's been directed by the likes of Spielberg, Eastwood, Tim Burton, Ang Lee, Michael Bay, Wes Craven, Tom Hanks, and many more of Hollywood's A-List. He is 30 years an actor and your professor, Sean Whelan. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm so excited about this show. We have a mega talent, someone who has done some of the best comedy, some of the darkest dramas, and everything in between. Mr. Danny Frenzesi is with us today. Oh, you were talking about me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't wait to meet this person. <laughs> and as always, we have Roxy Stryer, Ms. Phenomenal. Hey, Sean. And our producer, Jeff Graham, Mr. Funtabulous. Yo, guys, very excited for the show today. Yeah, so... Uh, I have never heard him say yo before. Yo. 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 I'm feeling really cool today, yeah. so I'm yeah, yeah. slide that one in. It's, yo it's so guy. obvious you're trying to kiss up to Danny, and uh, yeah. he doesn't respond to yo. Gosh, just letting you Jeff. know that. Okay, fair oh. enough. I will, Do you uh, respond to yo? Is that someone he? you think? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Tell it like it Tell is. Tell it is. He doesn't lie. Maybe Listen, like, yo, here's your check. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we all respond to that. We all yeah, that respond sounds, to that. that um, good. Just a little bit of history. I think we first met through Gary, cor- correct? At mm-hmm. a couple, Gary Austell, yes. We share the same manager, and we met at a couple parties, and we got along really well and had a lot of fun. And then Danny came to one of my classes and spoke to my students, and it was mind-blowing for me. And kind of the theme of what I want to talk about at this show is Danny's incredible proactivity, literally not waiting for anything to happen, but kind of voraciously going after what he wanted to happen, breaking it down to say, well, there's the goal. That's what I want to do. And then how do I get there? And then acting on it immediately. It was super, super impressive. So I wanted him here to talk about that in general, but talk about the beginning of his career and some of those stories. And just to see that proactivity is key. We were talking about this at lunch, how we talked about in a business where there's 5,000 paths, you always, for yourself, at least to keep yourself sane and on track, is make a plan. What do you what do you think about that, Danny? I like to use the analogy that like uh, you know you work hard, and then and then you, you hopefully uh, create these trees that bear fruit, right? And then you can like pull the fruit from the tree, and then throw the fruit as far as you can in your pathway, and hope that by the time you walk up to it, there'll be another tree, right? So to me, it's just like about planting seeds in the pipeline ahead of the time whether it's like two months ahead of the time or two years ahead of the time yeah um i've been setting up dominoes my whole career that haven't even fell down yet you know that right. it'll take that one thing right. later on that i'm looking for to knock some of those other ones down it's just about uh planning ahead and not just i think the, the biggest mistake i've seen other actors make uh is just being um comfortable where they are right right because there's always something new coming. Yeah. Like, I, I remember early in my career when I was doing uh, mostly theater, um, as soon as I booked a play, everybody that was, like, in the play would be comfortable and relaxed and everything else. And me, I'd be like, I'd be like, what's the next play? Right. Even on, like, even during rehearsals before we opened, I was like, what's after this? Right. And I think that's the thing that's kept me working the most. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we're going to explore a lot of this. Uh, but before we do, uh, Roxy would like to talk a little bit about AfterBuzz. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why we have Danny in here today is because Sean wanted to share that gift with you guys, and he knew that that was something you were looking for, to hear stories from people who had made it in this industry and continuing to make it all the time. So we want to know more from you. We want to hear from you who you want to see in this studio, what you want us to talk about, what you want us to address. So make sure you guys go to iTunes, rate, comment, subscribe. Let us know your thoughts on the show, what you're liking, how much you love bringing Danny in here. And also (laughs) do that on YouTube. It really helps us get a gauge of what you're interested in figuring out. And that's what the show is all about. So we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. Now, as always, we do... And I love that inspirational music. It is. It's very inspiring. Yeah. It makes me... We should all just jog up a mountain. It is a scented candle of music. (laughs) Exactly. What's the scent, though? Not food. I don't like candles Mm, that smell like food. They gross me out. But what is an inspirational scent? Mm. Pine. I like pine. Pine. Lilac. Pine. Laundry. Fresh laundry. Fresh laundry. Mm -hmm. Fresh laundry. So you you like the scents that... Are not for me. No, that, well, no, and you. What do you like? Are you like a cupcake person? Because I can't do that. It makes me sick. Oh yeah, not yeah, yeah. Like cupcake, but vanilla. Mm, you know, a, nice a flavor. It's a flavor. It's still a flavor of food. Mm. Listen, in yoga class to wake you up and stuff, they put the. Peppermint. I like eucalyptus. Yeah. Okay. Eucalyptus, yeah. peppermint. They do peppermint. We cannot live together. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my favorite candle is uh, the Havana candle from Archipelago, and it's like uh, part tobacco, part. Verbena, like a, oh wow, a tobacco-y like a nice, candle. Though? Yeah, like it's got like a like a hint of cigar in the background. Mm. Oh boy, I don't know. Yeah, See, yeah, you yeah. hate me. Uh, <laughs> that is not true, but not the roommate for me. <laughs> I can't. Like I go in Bath and Body Works, and I'm like, Rah! oh yeah, you know oh. the scent of those places drives me. Well, it's it's crazy. Sean, I can't live with you either. Then yeah, that is my home. <laughs> so. We always talk about my week in acting, but this is our special guest. So he's going to talk about uh, something about his week in acting today. Danny is going to take over all my spot stories from the set and my week. So, Danny, something from this week. Something from this week. Um, I just uh, – well, yesterday I just got a endorsement agent. Great. Which is like a new thing. Okay. Uh, for me to like sort of, I mean, I, I have. Explain what that is for our listeners. Well, I have had endorsements before, but this is somebody who's specifically going to look for commercials where I would have like a, a multiple commercials or an arc or like a specific mm-hmm. g- a co- like comedy presence on a commercial and not just me like with a normal commercial agent just going out on everything and trying to see, like looking for something specific and more stylized and specialized. So. And is that, which platforms would that be for? Uh, all, all platforms, just all so things. TV, it could be anything, social media, social media, like everything. Yeah, like somebody that's looking for uh, more things that uh, fit within my brand and then match with someone else's brand. And wow, how did brand. you get that agent? And how did you know you were at the right place in your career to actually have that agent? I have been um, uh, recently, like uh, in the past several years, uh, have been like amping up that sort of a feature for myself, like allowing uh, to part partnerships with brands and things that. Uh, seem uh, I don't want to just sell anything, you know. So right. it's got to be something that I would use or something that I like, and um, I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. I, I like to right. shop. I like to, you know. So I like to tell people yeah. about things anyway. So why would I? I mean, why wouldn't I uh, get the thing free <laughs> if I'm promoting right. it? So right. or, or that sort of uh, situation, right? Well, right. So it's like a new thing today, and then also um, 
I realized, uh, you know, I've been touring, doing a lot of stand-up, uh, mm-hmm. and a, a majority of my uh, dates have been colleges. And then last year, I didn't think about it, but there's no colleges in June and July. <laughs> so oh, I had right. a really scarce, empty calendar for June and July. It just like kind of crept up on me because I wasn't planning or thinking about that. I thought because I had um, talked to my agents about at least having, you know, four or five dates a month okay. for the tour. And we just skipped June and July. They were like, well, right. there's no colleges. And I'm like, well, well what am I supposed to do? Right, like, right, right. So I had a really empty uh, summer last year, um, which I, I wrote and I got a lot of stuff done and I ended up filling it up on my own. But this year, I've really packed my June and July. So it's been about me. Uh, June is Pride Month. So there's a lot of opportunities there. You know, I'm going to okay. be a uh, Grand Marshal of Omaha Pride and oh, that's uh, awesome. and some other things like that. And sort of just like planning out um, places and things I can do in those months um, to fill in the time, fill the calendar. Throw so, in the fruit. It's like what you talked about Throw earlier. Yeah, looking, <laughs> looking towards the future. Yeah. Uh, what did you end up doing when you had that time before you said you wrote a little bit? Was that a feature, a pilot, a book? or uh, No, just comedy, you oh, cool. know. And then like I am, yeah, and I ended up uh, doing some conventions and things like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, just finding work and finding dates. Right. It's funny, and when you um, when you have an open calendar and you do comedy, like things end up just coming to you. Yeah. I get asked for things all the time that I'm like, I can't, I'm out of town, I'm out of town, I'm out of town, where if I wasn't booking, I would still probably be booking in right. one way or another, whether right. it's paid gigs or not. You know, Some of them are just like right. really cool opportunities. Right, I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to um, drown in exposure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's Milk great. Milk it. <laughs> So what brought Danny here, like I mentioned, is his proactivity. He came in and spoke to a class of mine. And so the topic today is kind of just following his career with that theme. So take us back to the beginning when you you made the decision, A, that you wanted to do this and things you did to make that stuff happen for yourself. I think I've always been that way. Um, Okay. I, you know, I, the first time I could ever remember wanting to audition for anything, I was really young. Probably in first grade. Okay. And I was watching a TV show um, called Kids Incorporated, which was kind of like a mini Glee. Okay. It was a Glee with like middle school kids. Okay. <laughs> and actually, Fergie and um, Jennifer Love Hewitt were on it. Wow. <laughs> like, it was like was a this local. No, no you're it's, from it's a national. It was a national show. I was in Brooklyn. Oh, it was, Brooklyn. It was a national okay. show. Um, but they announced after the show that they were going to have an open casting call in New York City. Okay. And I was like, Mom, Mom, I was like, I want to audition for this. She's yeah. like, you can't sing, you can't dance, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, how are we going to audition? These are like Broadway kids, you know? Right, right. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And that was like the first time I remember really showing interest. Okay. But then I never, it never wavered. Like, okay. I always, like any movie I saw, whether it was like... You know Annie or or, um, or Newsies or anything that had dancing and singing in it. Like I was always so it appealed to me so much. And then Leonard Nimoy used to have a show on Nickelodeon called Lights Camera Action. Okay, where he would go behind the scenes, and it was like a, a behind the she- a behind the scenes show geared towards kids. Okay, which was so instrumental in my career because there was nothing like that. And right um, at the time, and I th- they did behind the scenes of I remember Never Ending Story. Okay, and they were showing like when um, Atreyu is getting blown by the wind, and how it was actually a room that turned. Right, it's where he was hanging from the tree instead of it blowing him. And I was so just mesmerized by like the way movies work and the way things happen and the fantasy, the fantasy of it all, you know. Um, and uh, so I was, it was really intrigued. And then we moved to Florida. Okay, and how old were you from Brooklyn to Florida? Second grade now. Okay, okay. And uh, throughout second grade, my uh, in the, my mom. 
uh, every weekend would drop me off at my grandmother's and my grandmother and grandfather would take me, my nan and poppy, would take nan me to uh, theater camp. Okay. So I did like theater camp all summer and I really got into that, you know. How mostly... And a weird thing just for other people who are getting, were you, did you like, were you okay in school? Did you get decent grades or were you one of these so mm. artistic that the, the framework of school just didn't the work? The framework of school never really yeah. worked for me. I was There's smart. A lot of artists. I was yeah. always tested for, for like advanced or honors or gifted or mm-hmm. whatever they called it in whatever grade I was in. Um, I had a eighth grade reading level in kindergarten. I was always I was a little advanced. Okay. But the school structure didn't actually work for me. Okay. Um, especially high school. It just yeah. it just didn't make sense to me. Um, I was always packing my time with like um extracurricular activities and being drama club president and right. You know, doing the theater, everything that I didn't really care about the book report. Sure. But I read the book. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of that. It wasn't until college that I like my teacher sort of figured out that I was bad at testing. Okay. I was in uh, Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, well, speech and uh, and well, I took Shakespeare, and she was like, "I know you know this stuff. Like, why right. you, know, you did so bad? Why on the is, test. can it translate?" And she was like, "Let me see something." And she was like, "Where was Shakespeare born?" And I was like, "Stratford on Avon." And she was like, "And when the?" And she started asking me these questions, and I knew all the answers. Right. She was like, "Well, if you knew all the answers just an hour ago, you took this test and you got them all wrong." I'm like, "I don't know. There was something about the pressure of the timing and the testing. It just wasn't right." It didn't fit with me. I probably should have went to some like hippie Montessori school. Where yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sleep when you want to sleep. Eat when you want to eat. <laughs> emote when you want to emote. You know. Right, right. That story was in college when they sat you down with Shakespeare. Yeah. Where did you? Where were you at school? Uh, Florida School of the Arts. And you were studying theater. I was studying yeah acting and musical Always, theater. I was a double yeah. major. Okay. Yeah, I went all. I went all in. I I think I was. Um, I, middle school had my middle school had a theater program, which is weird. It's odd, you know, uh, but they did, and I and I did theater there. And then I went to high school, and all my all my friends who were older than me were like, "It's not cool to do drama anymore." So I didn't right. do it my ninth grade year. Okay, but I was still so drawn to it. Like I would right. see them doing things, and I tried to, I, try, I tried to still join drama club, even though I wasn't in drama, and it just didn't. It, they go together. You can't like do one or the other. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, so I was like, "That's it. I'm not listening to anybody else." Tenth grade, I'm back in. You know, great. And I went back in 10th grade and uh then you know um uh continued to do all that stuff and then i was you know my dad wasn't really uh we're cool now but he was kind of a dick growing up (laughs) because he wasn't supportive of yeah he just like anything i wanted to do my dad was just like you want to do that you want to do that like he just wasn't right right, right. so it just made me see like i wasn't going to please my parents majoring in acting so everyone was doing communications which seemed to be like oh god you know the degree where you can kind of go into anything you know yeah so I was like, okay, I'm going to major in communications. Like, that's right. what I'll do, you know? And my guidance counselor was like, no, you're going to be an actor. Yeah. And she was like, we see the way you are on stage. We see how happy it makes you. Right. And I was like, but I don't even know where I'd go to school. Or She was like, don't worry about it. I'm going to figure this out for okay, you. Okay, what and, was her name? Um, do you oh, remember you're her again? Oh, my God. Oh, no. No, I how bad. could you say you, Why did you ask? Do you know her? No, because I just feel like a lot of times Those guidance people you counselors remember? get bad Mrs. raps. Mrs. Joan I mean? Orselek. Okay. Was her great. name? Yes. But you know what I mean? How they always like they say the worst <laughs> things to kids. It's amazing that you had such a great support. Oh, one. she was incredible, Miss Orsley. Like, and she like I actually from the first like I was really paranoid and um, anxious about what was my career path going to be. Okay. Maybe part of it was being like a, like a little closeted to myself queer kid, not really understand, like trying to find an identity. Okay. But from day one, I was like. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do high school right. I, like, most uh, high school kids don't even really meet their guidance counselor until, like, their senior year or something or their right. junior year. But I was, like, first day freshman year, like, what do I do? You know, I, I want to, like, like, can I start Alpha Scholarships now? Like, I was trying all this right. stuff. 
right. so early on. So she had already known me. I was in her office a lot. You know, right. I didn't want to mess it up. You right. know, um, and I didn't know how it was possible. My grades weren't good enough. I just didn't know how it was possible. Okay. What were your parents telling you that they nothing, hoped you would really. do what? That they said nothing. I mean. I don't want to say that they were bad parents, but they were really young, and I don't think they really—they mm-hmm. didn't really—they didn't uh, really. School wasn't. It was important to them that I did school, but I don't think school was important to them when they were in school. Right. And it was just a different thing, like you know, um, mm-hmm. it was a difficult environment to be in. And I speak right. now to anybody who's in that environment now or has been in that environment. Yep. It was not easy. Like you know, my, like it would be like I'd get a book report and be like, "Dad, can I go to the library?" And he'd be like, "Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow," until right. the day before the bu- the reports do. Right. And then I'd go and rush to the library and try to do it, and then I'd get grounded for getting the bad grade. Like it was just like it was yeah, an yeah, endless yeah. cycle of just like Setting being set up, up to, to fail. To, you know, set up to lose. Yeah. So my guidance counselor was like in a meeting, and she heard somebody talk, said, "Hey, if anyone wants someone to go into like theater, there's a really good theater school." And she had heard about it, and she called me in her office, and she's like, "I." found you this school like um if i can get you into the school would is there somebody in your family that would pay for your housing and i was like maybe my grandparents okay you know and she's like call them right now and i was like what and so i called my grandma she's like hi this is danny's guidance counselor she's like um if i got danny a scholarship and i got him into college would you pay for his housing and she was like yes she was like say thank you nana and i went thank you nana and she hung up the phone and she's like now next step like wow. she was on it, you know. Yeah. And so my dad drove me up to the, you know, I'm I, well. I was already going to uh, th- drama state competition. Okay. And the school was at state competition auditioning. Oh. So they set up a private audition in the hotel room of one of the professors for me for the school. So it was the first time I ever did a monologue. Like you know, my school, my high school wasn't really like requiring us to do all these. Sure. Like, it wasn't like it was a drama program, not like a serious theater, theater program. Program, yeah. So I um. I did a monologue and... Do you remember what it was? Yeah, kind of, yeah, like a little bit. Um, I don't remember what it was from, but I did these two contrasting monologues and then uh, the uh, the professor was like, okay, great, you're in. And I was wow. like, what? On the spot? Yeah, on the spot. They were like, welcome to you know Florida School of the Arts. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go to a theater college. Like, this is going to oh be... Oh my God. I was like... It was like... I, 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 Amazing. I, American Idol. Or like... Yeah. Some, like, I really was like, this is going... Plus, my parents are going through like a volatile divorce. So okay. it was like... This was like totally the escape hatch... Right. ...that I needed. I can go be somewhere. I was like, mm-hmm. maybe I'll even... In my head, in the back of my head, maybe I'll even get to be gay. Like I, you know, yeah. like all these different things. Like, right. um, although it still was not really that accepting at the time. Sure. I, I, so I didn't get to do that yet. <laughs> but it was, but uh, or a little bit maybe. But like, <laughs> we were drunk at a party. No, but like I. <laughs> but like I just, um, I was so excited. It, they didn't even understand. I met the other professor and I hugged her, and she thought it was so weird because I was right. like, crying and hugging her. Yeah. But didn't realize what a safe haven this was for me. Like, right. I think I even had like suicidal moments. Like this was just like my out, you know. Yes. And so, uh, so take us to how you went from that school into getting into these first professional things. Well, I'm in school and I'm doing really well. You okay. know, I, again, um, uh, I started doing everything I could in school. Like I would, uh, again, being proactive. I would tell my teacher, "Hey, if I alphabetize all your plays for you, and your can I have the doubles? Okay. You know, because every time they do a play, they have like five extra copies. They get the tech copy, they get the assistant director copy. Smart." So she'd be like, yeah. So I, you know, alphabetized all of her plays for her and then ended up with a little library. And then I read all the plays and I started like pulling anything that seemed right for me in it, you know, like I would pull out of it. And then um, they had all these old backstages, backstage magazines, you know, newspapers in the office. And and when they would get too old, I would take them and just 
read what the auditions read like, like and, and you know read the articles of their advice and um be like this like just sort of look at things that i might be right for now and just kind of get an idea and this was just freshman year you were doing this yeah this is like freshman sophomore year so so i've been meaning to ask you this where did this come from do you think where do you think this came from what this drive to to have you know have the plan and you I'm know a, you know why you're always looking five steps ahead where do you think that came from right? i'm not the person that gets picked i'm not the person that gets noticed right away like um i okay. you know maybe a little bit now because i'm like whatever like celebrated in some circles yes because you're like, a celebrity <laughs> <laughs> but like you know um even even with that, like I have friends who like like Lizzie Kaplan from Mean Girls. Like yes. I remember after Mean Girls, she could sit under a tree at a party and everyone will come up to her. But if I sit under the tree, I'm by the, my, the tree by myself all alone all night. Right. Why do you think that was? Because she's a pretty girl and I'm like a giant, right. you know, <laughs> queer guy in the corner. I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm not right. like somebody who everyone's coming to talk to if they don't know them. You know. Okay. And she's somebody who's like, hey, look at that pretty girl under the tree. Like, let me walk over. Right. And not to discredit her talent or anything like that. No. But there's a lot of things that um that there's a lot of people who or people are drawn to them and i have to draw people to me like okay. so i had to always work a little bit harder to be noticed always work a little bit different always try right. to use strategies when i was doing regional theater i was like it doesn't matter this isn't broadway it's not gonna have to be that professional you know so i'd make like the resume my resume a different color on the back of my headshot so when i'm sitting far away from the table and they turn the picture over i could see that my blue one is still in the good pile oh my you know God. i would just do things like i don't even know like anything i could anything in the hustle to give me like an right if, if they told me um great you got the part that day i was you know at fedex kinko's like you know, putting the new credit on my resume, like the right. day, like I just was, what, what can I do to advance? What can I do to get forward? You know? Right. And but was, even that, like even that what you said, but some people would just accept, yeah. oh, I'm not that person. Well, I accept that I'm not that person and and I accept the fact that I have to work a little bit harder to get the things that I want. Right. I, I could have a different lifestyle or a different taste level, but unfortunately I'm born with this like really great taste level that costs <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> it is a blessing, but it's also a curse. Like right. I want nice food. I want nice clothes. I want, you know, experiences. Yeah. I want vacations. I want a nice car. I want these things. They cost more money. Right. So I'm going to have to just work a little harder, yeah. you know? And I think that it started with that in regional theater. Then I, then I was in college mm-hmm. and before I even did the regional theater. I was in college and, they told me, um, they were like, next year, we want to cast you as one of the leads. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting, like, an offer, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, it was last night at Ballyhoo, which I don't okay. know if you know the play, but the lead's 86 years old. Right. And I'm, like, 20. <laughs> I'm, like, 19. <laughs> I'm, like, how? This will never be good on my career. It, it still wouldn't be good on my career, that credit. Right. Uh, you know, um, on my resume. I was like, so what do I do? I was like, either I have to change schools. And find something that challenges me again, or I'm going to have to just start working, you know? Okay. And then I saw the movie In and Out. Okay. And the movie In and Out with Kevin Klein. Yes. Everybody was like, oh my God, my friends came home from it. And they were just like, there was this character that you could have played. And I'm like, what is he like, fat and Italian? And they're like, no, 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 no. They're like, it had nothing to, I was still so self-depreciating, you know? Yeah. But they were like, it has nothing to do with what the person looked like. You right now could play that part. Okay. I don't think anybody ever really said that to me. And what was the part? So it was Zach Orth. I don't know if you're the actor. Um, he was in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. He's been in a bunch of movies. Okay. Uh, but he played this ca- this the student that was in Kevin Klein's class that was like, oh, oh, and had like another question kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it was so me and who I was. Right. And, I, and it was my age. Like the character was high school sure. and I was 19. And I was like, 
I could actually play that now. Right. Like, instead of it being, like, an 86-year-old man, you know, it was, like, a, like a, a teen. And I was like, what's the difference between me and this actor? I'm like, he has an agent, and he's in New York or L.A., and he's working. And I'm in Palatka, Florida, like, in college still. Like, I was like, this is the time for me to maybe – that part I could do, you know? Right. And I had learned a lot of skills and a lot of things in school. Like, that was a great school that taught me so much and really – Besides um, comedy classes and things like that, I haven't had much other training besides actually being out there doing it. Right. So that school really set me up for a great journey. Okay. Uh, Florida School of the Arts was a great time. I don't want to discredit it, but I had it was time for me to leave. And okay. so I um, – This is after freshman or sophomore year? Uh, this is my sophomore year. Okay. And so I was like, okay uh, – and it's a two-year school, but I was going to stay a third year because I was a double major in acting and musical theater. Okay. But really what I was trying to do, again, hustle is just like stack the training – to me, it was never about a degree. Unfortunately, it was about um, boot camp. Yeah. So, for instance, here's a great example. I took. Um, okay, I'm a, I'm a hustler. <laughs> I know what to ask me these things, so it's kind of funny to remember them. I love it. But I wanted to take tap. I had always wanted to tap since I was a little kid, and I saw it on the Mickey Mouse Club. I wanted to do it. My parents wouldn't let me, and now I'm 18 years old, and I could like tap, right? Okay. So they were starting a tap class. They put a new tap floor in, and they brought like this square that was the sample of what the floor was going to look like. And they let me keep the square because I asked for it. And so I had a square in my living room that when I would take tap class, I would just tap on the little square. And, like, right. I could practice at home. Which, right. you know, I didn't have a wood floor at home, but I had a piece of one. Wow. You know? And so I, and no one else had it. And I took this right. little square of, like, wood floor. And then so um, I took basic tap and I learned all of my moves and I was doing really great. But I found out that tap one, which was the class that followed that, co- because I was a double major, coincided with my acting two. Okay. So I wasn't going to be able to take tap one because I had to take acting two, which was more important to me than tap, right? Okay. So I failed all my tests on purpose. On In tap? And, in basic tap. So the following year, I just took basic tap again. Right. So I just kept tapping. Exactly. They wouldn't let me take it twice. So I made up the class next year and I got, you know, b- better grades because I knew all the steps already. Right. But it was a way for me to keep tapping. Right, and it, like that was the kind of, that was the kind of thing I would do all the time. Was so just you like, were always just figuring out solution. You sound like how do I get an advantage, right. a legal advantage, but solution oriented. You're always like solution oriented. Yeah, these and my friends weren't doing that. They were like you know drinking and partying. And sure, like, yeah, like of course. But that's that's what was so amazing. And then so how so I went does, to how then does, there was oh, go ahead. Then there was Florida Theater Conference, which okay. was like a unified audition. They still have them like Straw Hat and NACA and things like that. Okay, so um, this was like a unified audition where. Where you and they still have it where you go and uh, it, it's the pre-qualifier for SETC which is Southeastern Theater Conference. Mm-hmm. So you left school but you stayed in Florida. Yeah, I was still in school. Oh. But I with school I went to this theater conference where you wear a number and you do like uh, a monologue and 16 bars of a song and then all these regional theaters uh, put your number on their list That's if right. they want to call you back. Right. And it's like it's crazy. So I did that. Um, and I didn't really get called back for anything I liked. It was like the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair and like, you know, like a theme park and like things that I didn't really want to do. <laughs> yeah. But um, I met this girl who gave me my number and I networked with her and like got to know her. And she got a casting internship at Actors Theater of Louisville. And we stayed in touch. And she was like, why don't you come visit me? So as soon as summer hit, I went to Actors Theater of Louisville. And I just stayed with her. She put me in the actor housing, and I got to see, like, Paula Vogel uh, workshop a new play. And I got to, you know, watch all this stuff and, like, um, see, like, the original cast of Greater Tuna and, like, all these, you know, do all these these, different things, you know? Um, Nonsense. And um, 
it gave me like what I, the little juice I needed, you know. Okay. Then I went to New York City, and I was like, okay, I'm in New York City, and I was only there for like two and a half weeks. And at this time, I still have my apartment in college. I'm going back the next year, and I'm going to be starring in Last Night at Bellevue. Right. <laughs> but I was in theater, and my cousin, Diane, was like, um, are you auditioning for stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> no, not really. She's like, well, did you get headshots? I'm like, yeah. She's like, do you know where to find the auditions? I'm like, backstage, but there's none in Brooklyn. She's like, well, go to the city. And I had never like been to the city by myself. And I was like, you lived in Brooklyn. You had never. Been I lived in Brooklyn until first, first grade. grade, right? Yeah. So, okay. So now I'm going back, and you know, I used to go every summer and visit my grandparents. But like now, like I'm back, and I'm like, okay, I got on the train, I got off the train, yeah. I bought a backstage, I got back on the train, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm looking in backstage at all the auditions, and there was an audition for Broward Stage Door Theater, okay, which was doing a season of musicals. And it, Broward is where I went to high school and where my mom lived. Oh, my God. So I was like, if I mess up, I'll just land on their couch. Like, yeah. this is the one I'm going to go for, you know? Right. So I auditioned for a few things, but I went in for that. And while I was there, um, they called me back and I got 1776 and Damn Yankees in their season. And I was wow. like, oh, my. I called up school. I'm like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is it. Like, I'm starting my career. Put away that gray wig. Put away the gray wig. I was- <laughs> I was so high off of that. Like, yeah. my family didn't get it. They were like, you're doing a musical? Okay, congrats. That's good. Like, I'm like, do you understand? Right. This is my big frigging break. Like, But they let you stay on their couch? Were no. they supportive in that sense or no? Well, because I auditioned in New York, I was a, a New York hire. So I got housing. Oh, nice. Okay. And then here's what I did. Another scam. Another Dan scam. Um, <laughs> Dan France scam. Uh, because I was in regional theater, I went and got a voicemail service Okay. Uh, in that had a New York City number. And I was like, sorry, I'm not home right now. I'm currently out of town doing this musical at this thing. So then every other play that I auditioned for in Florida, I kept getting housing. Wow. Because I was considered a New York actor. Right. And so I just kept like, I, and there was no way to get more pay. Like the pay was 280 a week. That was like the equity minimum or whatever. Okay. At the time, was, this is, we're going back. This is like 1998, yeah. right? But you yeah, could yeah. get housing. That was the thing but you could Housing do. was the thing you can do to add more, the more to your contract. Okay. So I wanted the housing. I didn't want to live with my mom. You know, I could have, yeah. but I wanted the housing. So I, I just had the fake voicemail. Right. You know, and that led to that. And then from there, people were like, oh, um, you know, I think we're going to get nominated for a Carbonell Award. And everybody laughed. And I was like, what's that? And they're like, it's a theater award. I'm like, oh, you think we're really going to get nominated? And they're like, not at, not at this production, but, you know, some theaters do do that. And then, then I was like, from now on, I'm only auditioning for theaters that are, have been nominated for that award. Because now that's what I want. Okay. And so then I started doing that, you know. And then when I was right. 21, I got the award nomination for the Carbonell Award. And it was right. like, I just kept making, what, what was the best? What could I do, you know? Right. And then it was non-equity. So I, f- I got someone who was equity to give me the equity hotline number. Okay. And it was a number you can call that would tell you the local auditions. Okay. And then I w- they would say the equity audition for um, Bye Bye Birdie or whatever is on Tuesday. So then I would call the theater and say, when's your non-equity? And they'd be like, Monday. So I would just, sh- you know. Right. I-, I would, by finding the equity auditions, I'd find equity houses that were having non-equity auditions. And okay. that's how I earned my equity card. Like by, okay. do- by just going after places that would just give me my how equity. How long did it take you? Um, it took me two years. Yeah, two years to get to get to the point where I had my equity card. I ended okay. up get, just getting it for being in um, uh, South Pacific. Right. And then, uh, then I'm like, now I'm gonna go to New York. But then I got a tour. You know, I yeah. booked a tour, and yeah. um, uh, I did Tony and Tina's wedding, and it was supposed to go to Michigan and all these other places that I'd never been, mm-hmm. and I was really excited, but I got fired. Mm-hmm. Why did you get fired? Uh, because I was non-equity. I was still earning my equity points. 
and I was a swing, and I was going on for the wedding singer for a month, and I was still currently nominated for that award in that theater district. So I was like, they're not even knowing this is me. Like, I'd love for them to see this while I'm nominated, right? Because it's a season ticket holders for the big theater in town, and it's definitely the voters, right? And they're just they're having someone else's name on my performance, and they were like, "It's a wedding. We don't want to break the illusion." And I'm like, "It's people bought tickets. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't let it go, and then right. they, they let me go. <laughs> <laughs> but had they not let me?" They they were like, you know what? They're like, you're not equity. You're lucky. You're getting paid. That's what they told me. Mm-hmm. And they were like, if you if you really care this much, then you should be in an equity show. And I was like, well, from now on, I'm only going to be in equity shows. You know, okay. like I was like, that's my next step. That's the and next. Goal. Do you think they were right for letting you go? Well, looking back, no, but glad they did because I ended up booking my first movie in right. Fort Lauderdale. You know, like so how that happened? Uh, that happened because I had called anything that looked like an agency, anything that looked like a casting director in the paper, in the, in the yellow pages, and wherever I could find it. And I had contacted them and got in touch with them. Anything that looked like a theater, I knocked on the door. And I was like, can I send you a tape? Can I audition? Like, whatever it was. I was no stone unturned. And okay. um, I had done a Fruit Loop commercial audition like a week before <laughs> right. um, in Miami. And there was also... a. This gay club called the Copa, which Hurricane Andrew killed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have a long life, sorry. <laughs> how many hours do you have? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, um, I had done, there was like, uh, when I was doing this, a show at um, the Royal Palm Dinner Theater in Boca Raton, Florida. Okay. One of my co-stars' partners was a drag queen that held a talent competition every Sunday night. And the prize was $100. And my rent was 400 you know, um, so I would enter this competition. Like, people wouldn't, she'd be like, who has a hidden talent? But I'd prepare numbers. And so um, they were scouting locations for the movie Bully in this place when I was there doing the talent competition. And they came up to me and they're like, do you want to audition for this movie? And I'm like, yeah, I'm equity. And they're like, you are? Like, they're like, uh, yeah, come audition. And so then I ended up auditioning for the movie and I got the part, you know? Right. And that was the beginning of everything. Then, um, Isn't this the the story where you, it was something about a football player? Yeah. Or something, then on then this you, movie, then on this movie, they, so so this <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. This is what's so insane is while he's on this movie, and this, of course, some person was, "I've made it. I'm taking a breath." He's like hustling his next thing. Yeah. The craft service lady told me that the, the craft service the guys. Craft these are, uh, <laughs> for people who don't know, that's the person who does snacks. Yeah. So obviously, I knew her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the snack lady was being taken to the to the producer's next project and had gotten a script. And she's like, it's a football movie, and I think you might be right for it. But I'm not good at that stuff. She's like, so don't say anything, but I'll give you the script. Let me know what part you like, and then I'll tell the producer, hey, you should have him for this part. Okay. So I did that. And he was like, he told her, he's not tough enough, you know? Right. And so I was like, what? So I started, I asked my brother if he had any football jerseys and he gave me all his football jerseys. He had like five of them. And I wore them to work every day and just started acting tough before and after set. And then some guy. What does re- acting tough mean? Like, like you some, throw kids in lockers? Like we were filming a scene <laughs> where the, we were filming a scene. On the movie bully. <laughs> we were filming a scene in the convertible and someone who was washing their boat sprayed right. us with water. And then um, we had to change our clothes or whatever. And I went up to the producer. I was like, did you see that guy? Like, uh, and like, oh, oh he's going to kick his ass. Like, I just started acting. <laughs> and as soon as I said it, he's like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. And I was That's like, amazing. I got him. You know, like, 
And so I got that movie, and then um, on that movie I met another actor who introduced me to what his... What was the name of that movie, the football movie? It was originally called American Leather, then it became Hometown Legend. It starred Terry O'Quinn. Okay. Oh, and wow. Le- and Lacey Chabert. I worked with Terry yeah. O'Quinn on uh, Lost. And Lacey Chabert, who I did yes. New Girls with. We worked yes. together there. And then um, this actor named XX, uh, FX Vitolo introduced me to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay. And to a manager. He was like, you need to meet... I didn't even know who Philip Seymour Hoffman was then. Sure. It was like really early. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? And he was like, you need to meet my friend Philip. And you need to meet... You know, was he cool to you? Yeah, he was so sweet. He's, and yeah, I worked with him on Twister the Best. Yeah. And um, uh, the he introduced me to Handprint Entertainment. This woman named Molly McCarthy who retired. Uh, she discovered Matt Dillon. Okay. Um, he was like, she's a good friend of mine. I'm going to set you up with them. They'll love you. You know, because Bully was a big buzz movie. Yeah. Um, it hadn't come out yet. So my whole mission was, and again, I'm on like a hustle. I'm like, I need to book something before Bully comes out to prove that I'm not like a one-trick pony. Right. So I got a pilot. I, I like, they flew me to L.A. I got to go to L.A. for the first time. And mm-hmm. I, I, I tested on the pilot. Okay. Um, with Nick Totoro called Mr. Life. Wow. And I was freaking out because like. Um, it's the scariest room. They in the flew world. you to LA. Who flew you to LA? How did you CBS, get that? CBS. And then, like, you know, I, I got they, they, they I auditioned. They wanted to uh, test me, so they flew me out. And my mom was going to be Cindy Williams from Laverne and Shirley. And I was, I was just like, what's happening? So let people just to know to catch up because this is so amazing and frantic. But what Danny's talking about is so there was a movie called Kids, which was huge, and then uh-huh. Bully, and then Bully was the Bully follow-up. was the follow up. And so Kids was such a big deal. So Bully had heat on it. So what happens yeah. is when you get you book it. And you have a window before the movie comes out because once the movie hits the screen, it's, it's either worthless. a hit. Right. It's sorry, even if hit. it's a hit, I'm sorry, everybody. It's yeah. worthless. Everyone right. thinks you book your first movie, right. And you're famous. The, it doesn't matter. It's that time. It's in the between. time before the movie comes out. Why right. do you say it's worthless though? Because this is a "What have you done for me lately?" town, and you're right. like, "My movie came out yesterday." They're like, "Well, that was yesterday." Yeah, yeah, like yeah. They're real. It's really like that. So they'd like, rather mean know Girls, your movie's coming out. Mean Girls was number one for three weeks in a row, and I like the appointment were like, well, what are you doing next? Right. It wasn't about Mean Girls. It was about, well, what's your next job? So and Mean like, Girls didn't help you book anything after that? No. Ne- you have not booked one thing because you booked Mean Girls. I don't want to say that because over the years, maybe right. like things, you know, it's when part of, it's a pillar up. of my career yeah. right. and when you, when you realize who I am and like, you know, but it, because I was in Mean Girls, I didn't get like another big job. I mean, yeah. I struggled even, if anything, because right. I played a gay guy. Yeah. And it was a time where there wasn't roles for that. And that was not something that people found appealing in cinema. So, Hey, guys, just wanted to share a message from our sponsor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. The creation tool allows you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. So what Danny's talking about is the, when you say, so Bully had buzz. So that's the thing. Is it's it's going to be a buzz regardless. So you even have more juice based on that pre-release buzz than you actually do on the release. Right. And so now I had a pilot. So that was like a buzz too. You know what I mean? Right. Like I had like a little bit like or even just the testing. You know, because right. that's you could say it, he tested for this. Right. That kind of thing. So that got me going and that got me an agent. Right. And led me to, you know, and my next gig, um, which was Party Monster, was a hustle too. 
Okay. You know, party. How Monster, did that happen? When I went to New York, I was like an indie darling, you know, because I was a Larry Clark kid who was the director okay. of my movie Bully. So they just, it was kind of like the velvet rope opened for me. Like I got into all the clubs and all the things and it was like, mm-hmm. I went from being like a nerd and like a nobody and the person who doesn't get talked to under the tree to being right. the person who people wanted to know. Yeah. And that was exciting for me, especially young, you know? Right. And um, all the people who were opening the velvet ropes were all the former club kids. Like they were all the ones that ran like New York City nightlife. Okay. Like after the fact. So I had heard all these stories about, did you don't even know about the limelight? You don't even know about this? And the whole story of Party Monster, which is Michael Alleg and the limelight uh, nightclub uh, light that ended with a murder and all of this other stuff. Uh, so I had known this story and uh, like detailed firsthand told to me through these people who like lived it. And then all of a sudden, Macaulay Culkin's on the cover of New York Magazine, and he's dressed like a club kid, and he's like announcing he's doing this movie, and the buzz was real. Talk about it. Every, every week, a new cast member was announced, and they made page six. It was like Chloe Sevigny, boom, page six. Natasha Leone, boom, page six. Right. You know, Wilson Cruz, page six. And I was like, I've got to get in this movie. Right. Like, I know I belong in this movie. Right. Where, whereas, like... They picked up all the weirdos and then, like, plucked them and then made them famous in New York City. That's what Larry did for me. He, like, plucked me from Fort Lauderdale and then put me in New York City and made me right. someone who... I'm sorry, I missed it. What was the movie that they were all getting? Party Monster. Party, Party Monster. Party Monster. Yeah, and I have, like, the club scene. Yeah, 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 got it. So my, my manager, Molly McCarthy, she was like, there's nothing for you in this. Like, it's already done. Like, you know? And I was like, I have to just go in. Like, And so she called the casting director, Susan Shopmaker, and she was like... Can you tell them no? Because he won't take no from us, you know? Right. And so they had me take the meeting, and she liked me, you know? Like, she just took a liking to me, and she was like, I don't really know what to tell you, but take the script. Read it. If you see something you want, let me know, and then we'll see what we can do. So it was okay. a general? You went to coffee or something? Yeah. No, I went to her office. I didn't read or anything. I just met her, okay. you know? Okay. And she was like, then I was reading, and there really wasn't anything left. Okay. Um, there was like little parts, but one of them was like I wore a costume, and one of them, another one was like I announced thing, and I was talking to my mother about it, and she was like, "Well, why don't you play both?" And I was like, "I kind of could," like, and then that would be something, you know. And so I went in to meet the directors, and they pretty much offered me the little speaking part, and I was like, "Well, I want to play the one where I'm in the costume," and they're like, "But you won't be seen." I was like, "But it's a bigger role," and they were like, "How would you do it?" And then I gave them a take on it that they liked, and they're like, "Well, you could play both." Okay. And I was like, I made it their idea, but. Right. Then I got two parts in this in this movie that had no part for me. Right. You know? And were you completely hidden when you were in the Yeah, I mean, I'm, I play, like, um, basically throughout the movie, there's a rat, like a real rat that you see, like, something will happen, then a rat will run away, okay. you know? And it's all connected, because at the end, uh, Seth Green, who plays James St. James, uh, does ketamine, and then has this vision of what the murder, what really happened for the murder, mm-hmm. and a, ra- a giant man in a rat costume, which is me, tells describes the murder as it really happened, and he... It clicks but you, for him. you talk. You speak. Yeah, I talk, yeah. Okay. So, you know. Great picture. If you guys are looking on YouTube <laughs> Oh, wow. Right that's now. really good. Good for you guys. Wow. That's amazing. Thanks, yeah, Jeff. so that was an awesome experience. And, um, again, something that I hustled out of nothing. Uh, and then... Um, so how did Mean Girls happen? Susan Shotmaker, the casting director who had found me for... Um, uh, for Party, for Monster, Party who Monster, who put me in Party Monster, called me in for that. Okay. Um, and they were really looking for somebody for this part for like a really long time. They had somebody in mind, but they thought he was too old. What okay. was the breakdown for it? Do you remember? I remember that it said that Damien, um, Damien is uh, probably fat, but definitely gay. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I love that because I'm like, yeah. I'm pro- if you saw my headshot, I'm probably fat. <laughs> like, um, I thought it was cute. Um, and I, uh, you know, I was afraid of playing a gay character. Okay. But this was so forward moving. He wasn't like, you know, uh, beat up, or, and he was yeah. celebrated, and it was like it, it was like he was able to like and he was one of the group. He, he was, was not friend. afraid, yeah, at all in the movie. Like he never had a fear for his safety or anything like that, which, right? Or like was really made fun of, or like it didn't make gay people look bad. I was like, this really pushes the envelope. So if I'm okay. ever gonna play a gay role, this is the one, right? Plus, I mean, come on, like Tina Fey and the cast of Saturday Night Live, like yeah. Was the original was, script similar to what we saw? There was, there was some different things. Uh, some things were different. Um, at the end, she actually get uh, Mrs. Norbury actually gets busted for ecstasy because Kevin G is selling ecstasy and she puts it in her desk. <laughs> so when they call her a drug pusher, they find the drugs and she loses her job. And we all go down to the city and try to get her her job back. Right? Did that change your role? Uh, not really. I mean, I we we convinced Kevin G to come testify and he doesn't show up, so I pretend that it was mine. Okay. And I'm like, she got me off house music. Like it's like this whole thing. Um, <laughs> oh, and that's the, awesome. Why did I, they change that? Do you know? I don't know. Probably the drugs. Yeah. And you know, then there was like um, at the end of the movie, they showed like a where are they now? You know how they show like Regina. Oh played. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like my character made thing. American Idol. Oh. And Simon Cowell calls me fat, and I punch him in the face. <laughs> But they cut that too because it would have dated it, which it would have. You know, Simon right. Cowell and American Idol would have been so dated. Yeah, yeah. And they had done like um, some movie where they shoot Simon Cowell in the movie. I forget oh, what it was. Okay. It was like. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, another the movie American. The it was like something about a high school. Oh, okay. <laughs> like okay. A, like with John Lovett. It was like a spoofy high school movie. Oh, okay. Like another, another okay. high school movie or something. And then like. Um, uh, and how was that working with Tina Fey? It was great. I mean, yeah. I didn't really know who she was back then. I mean, I knew she was the head writer of SNL, but she wasn't on camera yet. Right. So it was like her first thing on camera, really. And mm-hmm. I mean, she started doing Weekend Update like after the movie, you know. Right. So, Have you stayed close with anybody from the cast? Yeah, you know, I, I talk to them whenever we can. You know, it's a little difficult. You of know? course. Um, you guys are all busy. Yeah, we're all busy. You know, I'm here at After Buzz and Lindsay Lohan's like dancing in Dubai, bitch, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> is it Mykonos? Mykonos. Yeah. Yeah. Mykonos. I don't know. I don't know. It's, you know, we're busy. How, uh, was, the, how was the vibe on the set but with all the other actors? Did you get along with mostly everybody? It was okay. I just, you know, um, Paramount was so good to us. Like, I think, like, okay. really good to us. Like, gave us gifts and took us to concerts and did really nice things with us. That's um, nice. So I, I definitely felt special being there. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of strong talent and personality and famous right. people on one set. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, like, vying for attention and things like that. And right. I just tended to just kind of, you know, sit, sit, retract, from, retract that. from that, lock myself in my room with Lizzie Kaplan and watch yeah. movies, you know? <laughs> right, right. Me, Lizzie Kaplan, and Jonathan Bennett just, like, hit out, you know? That's cool. Did you know at the time what a massive deal this was? No. Did- I don't think anyone could have because the internet didn't really exist. Twitter didn't exist. Okay. You know, iPhones didn't exist. Um, they gave me an iP- the first iPod on that movie, actually. <laughs> right. That's how far back this was. So it was like we didn't really have anything like that before. And I think we were the first movie to be memed, you know? Right. Um, Harry Potter came out like af- like toward, like as, this, as the Harry Potter stuff. They started ma- mashing it with us because we were already the meme. Right. You know, and then they started, uh, like, kind of doing mashups of us with everything. Right. Because we're sort of like the OG meme. But it's still, to this day, I mean, Ariana Grande just using it in her music yes. video. She asked me to be in it, too, but I couldn't. Did she? Yeah. How come you couldn't do it? I was on tour. I was in Tampa. And, you yeah. know, I'm trying to, you know, it's again, it's a hustle. Like, I'm trying to establish myself with these clubs. And 
And um, as much as that would have been an incredible pop culture moment, and I love Ari and everything, I just got into doing the improvs. I, I'm not going to back out on an, audi- right. on an audience that's for the first time going to get to see me. Like, I, it just it didn't feel right. I wanted to do it so bad, but the time you know they basically told me on Sunday that it was going to be on Monday, and I had and I was yeah it was it was just no makes time. sense. So tell me about what happens after Mean Girls. You said it wasn't like the instant, you know. Yeah, well, I was like, you know, I decided that I wasn't going to move to New York until I had my equity card. I thought okay. that was a really good plan. Okay, and my plan was like I'm not going to go to L.A. until I have a studio film because okay. I've been doing all these indies, you know. Okay. Um, and so that's what I did. I got my studio film and then I packed up and I moved to Beverly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wasn't that easy and it still wasn't. Right. I mean, it was the hardest part was being really recognizable and really famous, but then being broke. Right. Like, that's the weirdest it shit. Is. I mean, I don't even know. Alan Rock told a story that after um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, they said, oh, go to L.A., same thing. And he made no money, worked in a factory in, like, Riverside. And people were like, aren't you in Ferris Buford? Aren't you in Ferris Buford? And, <laughs> you know, he said it. one doesn't necessarily. It's not yeah, like I mean, it I, never ends. The hustle never ends. It was hard. It was hard. I was very, you know, uh, poor and frustrated. I lost a lot of my famous friends because right. they'd be like, let's all go to Hawaii. And they'd be like, I can't afford peanut butter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and, you know, I don't really blame them, really. Right. You know, but, I mean, I I did, I had a lot of famous friends that I lost. You know, because I just couldn't hang. Right. For many years. But that, that was never important to me, almost to a fault. Like, it wasn't about the money, it was about the work. It was about, like, getting gigs, and, like, I knew, the money would come, you know, and and it did, and, but I don't feel like, uh, it would have came if I just sat around. Right. Or if I went to Hawaii. You know? Right. <laughs> like, I, I had to keep doing these hustles, and I'm still doing things that... Yeah. I, you know, sac- someone, there's an uh, old trope that says, like, you know, sacrifice is doing something that people won't do, so later on you could do something people can't do. And so you I... Say that again? Sacrifice is doing something that people won't do, so later you can do something people can't do. Right. So my point is, like, I, you know... I'm fine with, um, you know, missing uh, a few things. A few things in order to do things later that people can't do. You know, well, for yeah, instance, like, like I, of somebody scene. of my level of acting or like a, mm-hmm. my level, my level, whatever, but just like someone of my notoriety might not go do another unified audition, like NACA, which is the National Association of Campus Activities, which cast college startups. So a lot of the people that do that are like comedians that are just emerging or just starting out like people like you're doing NACA you know kind of like an attitude where I'm like yeah (laughs) of course and now I have a a tour right and you don't like and you don't have a tour because you won't do the audition for the tour because you think you're too big for it or whatever or whatever you know I mean that's not a specific instance but there's so many times in my career that I'm like people are like why would you do that like I begged so many of my really great comedy friends to take um, Upright Citizens Brigade 101 improv with me in 2011. And everyone was like, "I 101? They're like, I'm not starting over. That's kind of basic. It's like that. I'm like, yeah, but there's no other way to do it. Like, if you want to do UCD, right. you have to do each level, you know? And nobody wanted to do it with me. And I went and did it. And that's how I ended up co-writing a musical, Jersey Shoresicle, that won awards at the New York Fringe Festival. Right. And led to so many other great relationships in comedy. Right. Because I was doing something people wouldn't do. My my colleagues wouldn't take that class with me. But they don't have an award-winning musical on right. their belt. 
I mean, it's just kind of like you well, ha- it's, it seems like you're the double H here: hustle and humility. First of all, humility is because I, I because I believe in God. Okay. I feel like that separates me a little bit in this town, and okay. I feel like I mean I'm, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, uh, nothing will humble you faster than God. Believe yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you believe in God, right? Right. You'll get humbled real quick. Right. Right. You know, and the fastest thing to get something that you want is to be grateful for what you have. Right. So I'm super grateful for the career I have, and I'm super grateful for the people I work with. I treat everyone with kindness and respect. I could be the star of a play, but I'll sweep the stage. Yeah. Like, and it's all about that because you, you know, next, you know, and I think a lot of people in this business clamor to meet the people that are on top, but it's really about meeting the people that are trying their hardest right now because they're right. the people who tomorrow are on top like that. Right. You know, and when so. The- yeah, it's just trying to bust to get on that path, and then the people who are working harder, they're the ones when the path comes, they're ready to go down it. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm willing to, you know, uh, do a lot of different things. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, listen, if there's any takeaway from this, uh, people say, you know, people who wait for things to happen, don't they don't happen. So uh, I think it's really important for all of you actors to hear Danny's story and to realize that proactivity, forward thinking, you don't just, you're not worried about the next gig, you're worried about how the gigs will line up to build a career. Literally sit down and write a list for yourself of everything that you could think of doing to make money and get yourself go forward, even prostitution, right? Yeah. Just every stupid thing. And then cross off the ridiculous things that you wouldn't do. Right. You like know? prostitution. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. But I'm saying, like, if you... if. I did that with my mom when she was looking. I know we were wrapping up, but I did that with my mom when she was looking for a, a job. You know, she was like, mm-hmm. "I don't know what I'm going to do when she got a divorce." And I made her write everything down, even prostitute. Right. And then, when, because she was wrote down prostitute, she wasn't afraid to write down something like lunch lady, which she was like, "Hey, right. I could probably do that." And then ended right. up getting a lunch lady job in like my old high school, right? From with my brother and sister. So it's like if you if you're willing to like get as stupid and as like out there as you want, and then you can kind of edit. Then of course you can, yeah, take yeah. But good off. luck, everybody. But listen. <laughs> This, this is extreme. It's so much, but I, now you can see why I wanted Danny in here. It's an amazing journey. He never sat on his, uh, you know, laurels and always pushed forward. And that's the only way to be. So, Roxy, where can we find you? Everywhere at Roxy Stryer. Danny, I you can find me at What's Up Danny on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, BlackPeopleMeet.com, JDate, and Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> and farmers only. <laughs> um, Jeff, off guard, Sean. You guys can catch me on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham. Sorry, sir. No, you're good. <laughs> and I'm at that guy SMW on uh, all Instagram and Twitter, and Sean Whalen Peeps on Facebook. And as always, thank you for letting us be part of your journey. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.